And so he asked me a series of questions. He said, Alex, do you think you could stay at your full-time job and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, do you think you could leave and start your own business and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, do you think you could stay where you're at at your full-time job and you could love your neighbor as yourself? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, do you think you could leave and start your own business and love your neighbor as yourself? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, Alex, I have one more question for you. And I'll never forget it. He looked me in the eye. He said, what do you want to do? Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, we're jumping back into the center of a six-part series on the qualities of effective coaching. And in the first episode, we answered a very fundamental question that's outrageously simple, but I would also argue incredibly profound. The question was, what do leaders do? And the answer that we submitted to that question was leaders unleash the best in others. We said that the highest calling of the greatest leaders is that they take the strengths, the gifts, the talents, and the potential that's inside all of the people around them, and they bring it out and point it in a direction that creates productive desired results, both for that person, for an organization at large, for a community, whatever entity you're operating in. And we said that in that effort to unleash the best in others, the best leaders wear a wide variety of hats. Sometimes you need to wear the hat of visionary, sometimes manager, sometimes CEO, sometimes facilitator, sometimes mediator. And we said that one of the most effective and impactful hats that you can often wear is the hat of coach. And it's within that context that we've been walking through the five qualities of effective coaching. And the first quality that we talked about was that effective coaching is relational. The second quality is that effective coaching is curious. The third quality is that effective coaching is assertive. The one that we're going to be talking about today, the fourth quality is that effective coaching is directional. And then finally, in the next episode, we're going to be talking about the fact that effective coaching is principle-based. But I want you to think about this idea that effective coaching is directional. And I want you to really kind of step back and think high level of what that actually means. Well, I want us to return to a phrase that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, but that that we've never really dove in depth into, and that's just the idea that leadership is about taking people from here to there. And so let's break that down a little bit because this is at the crux and it's at the core of what it means to provide directional coaching. Leadership is taking people from here to there. Number one, we're taking people. (laughs) This is related to the idea that if you're a leader, uh, that no one is following, you're not actually leading at all. You're just going for a walk, right? So there have to be people going along with you. And how do you do that? Well, probably start by practicing the relational coaching that we talked about in the second episode of this series. So we're taking people from here. This is actually outrageously complex because it's not enough just for you to know here. It's not enough just for them to know here. We've got to be aligned on what is happening right now. Where are we today? What is here? And you know just as well as I do that because of emotions and circumstances and subjectivity and all of these different things that can get involved and tangled, it can be actually really, really difficult to define where are we today. But man, think about this for a second. 
If we can't define where we are today relationally with our work, with our performance, with our culture fit, if we can't define and get aligned on where are things right now, then how can we ever move together forward in a direction of where we want to go in the future? We've got to be able to agree on what is here. This is why I am such a big fan and why we have ingrained it in every level of our business, in every one-on-one meeting, in all of our strategic priorities of the red, yellow, green method. And the way we define it is red is not true. Yellow is inconsistently true. Green is consistently true. And so whenever we're looking at specific statements of success, things that we want to see achieved, things that we always want to be true, we always say, okay, we need to get on the same page of is this red? Is this yellow? Or is this green? And man, I will tell you there, there is a divergence that occurs and conflict that occurs when someone says this is green when you think it's red or vice versa. But man, it would be way better for us to actually figure that out instead of living in unawareness and ignorance of the fact that we are completely on separate pages of where we are today. So do not miss the fact that defining here can be really difficult, but outrageously necessary. So then once we define here, well, then what do we have to do? Well, then we have to define there. And this is what's so fun. And this is why I just believe one of the most impactful hats that you wear is the hat of coach, because the hat of coach is helping people define the desired there for their career, for their life, for their family, for their future, for their days, for this meeting. You can unleash the best in others by helping them define a vision that they deem worth chasing down. And people are capable of such remarkable things if they are just chasing a finish line that they deem worthwhile. And so one of the things that you get to do as coach is help people define and identify finish lines that they deem worthwhile. Help them get clarity around there. So we're taking people from here to there. We need to define here. We need to define a desired there that we can both agree upon. And then we need to figure out the path between the two. And that is directional coaching. And so what I want you to know is that everything we talk about whenever we're talking about directional coaching is that. But it's in that context that I want you to know that the desire and need for direction occurs at every plane. And so I'm talking about plane, P-L-A-N-E. What is a plane? A plane is a level of existence, thought, or development. I think people often overlook this. I believe one of the fundamental overarching questions that people have in their minds, either consciously or subconsciously all the time, is where are we going? And people are asking that about their conversations. People are asking that about their situations. People are asking that about their meetings. People are asking that about their careers. People are asking that about their family. People are asking that about their life. They're asking, where are we going? And what I want you to know is that there are a wide variety of planes that if you as a leader can help people answer that question, well, then you're going to be playing the role of coach. But what I want you to know is that you move up to higher and grander planes by effectively and competently performing in the lower level ones. And so there's three planes of directional coaching that I want to talk about just real quick before we jump into some of the blockers that get in the way of directional coaching. I want to talk about the conversational plane. I want to talk about the situational plane. And then I want to talk about the existential plane. And that last one sounds 
pretty big, right? Because it's pretty big. Now, before we jump into this, what I want you to know is you earn the ability to move to the higher order planes with people by excelling in the lower order planes. And and so what I want you to know is that people aren't going to trust you with the big questions related to their life if you can't even help them get somewhere in the course of a conversation. This is directly related to that biblical principle of he who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. And so one of the ways we can become more effective and practiced at being directional coaches is by being outrageously prepared and competent and confident within the conversational plane. So what is the question that people are asking with regard to the conversational plane? Well, they're asking, where is this conversation going? And so this is why I just, there's coaches out there that I don't even think they should call themselves coaches because when they show up for a 90 minute meeting, it's not really even deserves to be called a meeting because it's us just sitting around and chit chatting for 90 minutes without any sense of flow, without any sense of direction, without any sense of objective, without any sense of purpose. We're not actually going anywhere with the conversation. We're just kind of shooting the breeze. And I have nothing wrong with shooting the breeze. Just don't call it a coaching conversation Because coaching conversations take people somewhere. And so if you're going to excel on the conversational plane, what do you need to do? Well, it's very fundamental. Have an agenda. This is why one of the first things we do whenever we're talking with our coaches about how to lead an effective coaching call is we walk through how to create a effective agenda with mutually agreed upon objectives for the 90-minute conversation. And I would tell you that whether you're coaching someone that's in your community or someone that's a young person from your church or coaching someone that's on your team or coaching one of your peers, if someone is entering into a coaching conversation with you, one of the things that you can do is you can show up with an agenda of saying, let's define some objectives of what we want to accomplish on this call. Because remember, our directional coaching fundamentals here to there are occurring on this most basic plane. We need to define where here is. Where are we at the beginning of this conversation? We need to define where there is. Where do we want to be at the end of this conversation? 90 minutes, an hour, whatever. And then we need to define, okay, let's figure out an order of operations for how to get there. But truly, you can build so much trust with people by just proving yourself competent and intentional and prepared enough by being able to take a conversation somewhere. And and so the, the image that I want you to get in your head is do you want your conversation to be a pond or do you want your conversation to be a river? Because what are ponds? Well, ponds are still stagnant bodies of water, right? And what happens in ponds? Well, it gets muddy. It gets dirty. There's algae that grows in it. It becomes toxic. Why? Because it's not moving. There's no flow to it. There's no gravity. There's no pull. There's no sense of direction, right? So there are some people out there, and I'm sure you've been part of these conversations. I hope you've never led one of these conversations because it's not actually leading anything where it just becomes a pond, And let's just not call that a coaching conversation because coaching conversations are a river. A river made the Grand Canyon. A river has flow. A river leverages the contours of the land around it and the gravity that's pulling it somewhere to move in a direction. A river can power an entire city. And so I want your conversation to move somewhere because we want to take people somewhere because that's at the core of what it means to be a directional coach. And so if we're going to enter into these conversations with people, let's make sure that we're excelling at the conversational plane. Because when we excel on the conversational plane of taking people from here to there, well, then we earn the ability to address the situational plane. 
So on the conversational plane, people are asking, where is this conversation going? In the situational plane, people are asking, where am I going right now? Or where am I going in this situation? And so this is helping people solve or find resolution on the day-to-day things that they're working through in their life. And so much of your coaching conversations will revolve around the situational plane. And so what does this look like? Well, it looks like having difficult conversations. It looks like making day-to-day decisions. It looks like establishing new habits. It looks like creating or changing things in your life. It looks like creating new routines, right? It's the day-to-day situations that people often need help help with and oftentimes an objective coach can help elicit the best out of them by working through these situations with them. So people are asking the question, where am I going in this situation? And the same fundamentals apply. We need to define here. What is going on with this team member, with this person, with your family, with your habits, with your day-to-day routines, right? What's going on? What is here? What is there? What do we want for this conversation? What do we want for this team member? What do we want for this meeting? What do we want for these habits or these routines or your days? And then what is the path? The same fundamentals of directional coaching apply at the situational plane that apply on the conversational plane. We are taking people from here to there. And then once we excel in the conversational plane and we excel in the situational plane, we earn the ability to move to the existential plane. And I will tell you, there are so many people in this space that want to jump immediately to the existential plane. And I just think that's a miss because I will tell you, if I'm being coached by someone, I want to trust that they are competent and confident in helping me with the conversation and helping me with my day-to-day situations before I ever trust them with my biggest life questions. And that's what the existential plane is. It's it's where am I going long-term? So conversational plane, where's this conversation going? Situational plane, where am I going right now? Existential plane, where am I going long term? And so these are the biggest questions of life. And what's so cool is, I mean, this is truly the coaching conversations where you can help someone change their life. And that wording is actually really important. You are not changing their life. They are changing their life. You are helping them change their life. But this can be so fruitful. And and it's honestly at the crux of why I love what I get to do every single day and why I'm so passionate about the business that we're building is we get a front row seat to transformation that changes people's families, that changes people's businesses, that changes generations. It's just so beyond cool to see. And so the existential plane is the biggest questions of life. Where's my family going? Where's my business going? Where's my career going? Where's my future going? Where's my life going? And if we can help people find clarity in those areas, man, you are providing the direction that they want and need. And in reality, you're not actually providing it. You are unleashing it out of them right? It is inside of them and you're bringing it out. Now, what I will tell you, because we all want to move to that existential plane, there is a path towards getting there in a faster way. And that path always demands uncommon, outrageous intentionality. The speed at which you move through these planes with people is always accelerated by intentionality. And so if you can be the type of person that's outrageously trustworthy, prepared, 
confident, competent, and effective in your conversations. And then if you can be the type of person that is uh, uncommonly, consistently helpful with people's situations, well, then because we have that mutual shared intentionality, we can move to this existential plane and we can help people get to the questions that are most fruitful and most transformative and often most fulfilling and life-giving. So the reason why I wanted to walk through that is because so often I think when we think about the topic of vision and when we think about the idea of directional coaching, we think about the big picture. And what I want to tell you is that the want and need and desire for direction occurs at every level of people's lives. And we need to make sure we're meeting that need and meeting that desire at every level and not just jumping into the ones that are most fun for us or most life-giving for us. So you earn the ability to coach at the higher order planes by excelling in the lower order ones. And what I want you to know is that in coaching conversations specifically, if you're going to engage in one of these conversations, then if you can find directional alignment where people are moving from here to there at every plane, what's going to be the result of that? Outrageous harmony. It's so cool. It's just, oh, it's, it gives me chills thinking about it. When we can have a conversation that is going from here to there and it supports the situations that a person finds themselves in and them getting from here to there in those situations and them moving from here to there in those situations helps them accomplish their higher level goals on the existential plane of where's my life going, where's my career going, where's my family going. When you can find alignment between those three things where, man, my, my conversations are aligning with my situations or aligning with life's biggest questions, outrageous harmony. And it is just, I mean, it is an absolute thrill to be a part of. It's my favorite part of what I do right now is when we get to have those conversations and those are sweet spot conversations. It's just such a joy and such a gift. Now, here's what I want to tell you before we move on to anything else. And this might be the most important thing that I say in this episode. I'm going to read exactly what I wrote because I don't want to mess this up. Your ability to see the path that people need to take to go from here to there, your ability to see that is nice but irrelevant. I want you to hear me. Your ability to see the path for people to move from here to there is nice. I'm glad that you can see it, but it's also irrelevant. The goal is for them to see the path. This is what separates unhelpful coaches from helpful coaches. Because unhelpful coaches will be the coaches that can sit on the sidelines and quickly connect point A to point B, tell you exactly what you need to do, and tell you why you should be doing it. Unhelpful. Because again, we've talked about this in previous episodes, the gap between why people fail and why people succeed is not information. People don't need the information. The information is inside of this. We've said that Socrates quote over and over and over again. Learning is remembering. So we need to believe that the answers that they need are not inside of us. The answers that they need are inside of them. And so your ability to see the path is nice but irrelevant. The goal is for them to see the path. And that means that it's tempting but often unhelpful to counter a lack of direction with assertions. We talked about the need for assertiveness in coaching, and I think that it is really, really important. But one of the things that we said in that episode is that healthy assertions are always rare. And what I would tell you is, especially when someone's lacking direction, you want to be very, very, very reserved about the way that you leverage your assertions. 
Because when people are lacking direction, what they don't need typically is someone telling them all the things that they need to do that they should do that's really easy for you to see, but they have no clue. Not helpful. The way that you can unleash their best is not by giving answers to them. It's by extracting answers from them. It's by helping them get clear vision around where is here and then help them understand what is the desired there and then help them see the path that's in front of them. And so what I want you to think about with regard to that warning is that it is always beneficial for us in these conversations where people are lacking a sense of direction to err on the side of intentional curiosity. And so think about that phrase a little bit, intentional curiosity. Our questions are taking people somewhere, but we're allowing them to take the steps. And so that means that it's okay for you to be asking questions that have a sense of aim so that people find a sense of revelation to the path that they need to be walking with regard to the vision that they want to achieve. That's okay. I just want you to be really, really deliberate about asking questions instead of making statements because it's so easy and it's so tempting and oftentimes it's rooted in a desire to help. But what I want you to remember is, man, my statements don't help as much as my questions do. And so become really practiced at being an effective listener and asking great questions about here, there, and then the path and let them define it because which path are they more likely to execute upon? The one that you tell them or the one that they tell them? I don't know about you, but if someone's coaching me, I'm way more likely to execute on the path that I've defined that came out of my heart, my soul, my mind with the help of the person sitting across from me. And so remember the principle there is that your ability to provide direction is only as good as their ability to act on it. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. Your ability to provide direction is only as good as their ability to act on it. And the best strategy for getting them to act on the direction that they find over the course of this conversation is not for you to give it to them. It's for them to define it along with you. Okay. It's in that context that I want us to walk through what I think are uh, some fundamental things to understand about why people don't often find or have direction. Because I think we all know that we want and need direction, right? I don't think there's anyone out there saying like, I just don't want any aim for my life, for my career, for my job. Like even the people that are really, really, really stagnant, one of the things that they'll sit there and uh, maybe be a little bit mopey about is the fact that they don't know where they're going. Going and they don't have a sense of aim and they don't have a sense of direction. And so I believe deep down inside there's this desire and there's this need that is truly conscious in many ways, wanting direction. And that kind of begs the question, why don't we pursue it? If we know we want and need direction, why don't we pursue having it so often? And what I would tell you is that the answer to that is one word, it's blockers. Right? I think so often there are blockers that keep us from taking the steps to move from where we are today or even defining where we are today to moving to where we want to be in the future. And what I will tell you is that while sometimes those blockers can be external, the greatest blockers that people are facing with regard to lack of direction is always internal. And so one of the things that we need to recognize from a coaching conversation perspective is that the greatest thing that you can do to help people have direction in their conversations and their situations and their biggest life questions is by helping them overcome these blockers. And so one of the things that we need to recognize is that the person sitting across from you, the person that you're trying to coach, is they're never going to fix the blocker that they refuse to see. 
So the first step, if you're going to coach someone through overcoming the blockers that represent a lack of direction or that create a lack of direction is you need to help them see it and you need to help them name it. And what I want you to know is that so often what I've seen in my experience, and I don't have data except for the anecdotal data of doing, I mean, truly hundreds of calls where I get to talk with people about lack of direction and work with them to find direction, is that almost always the blockers are related to fear. And so we're going to walk through four fears that you can help people overcome. And in the process of overcoming it, they will find a greater sense of direction and vision and aim that they're acting on. And so what we're really talking about here is the higher level planes, the situational planes and the existential planes in these conversations that we're talking about. And so at the core of everything that we're about to walk through with regard to the four fears that we need to help people overcome to find a sense of direction is a principle. And here's the principle. Fear often dissipates when we talk specifically about the things we're thinking about generally. Okay, so fear often dissipates when we talk specifically about the things we're thinking about generally. Now, what does that mean? Well, we're about to walk through four fears. Fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of incorrect aim, and fear of impossibility. And so much of what we're going to walk through with regard to these four fears is how do we take the things that are very general, unknown, failure, incorrect aim, and impossibility, those are so broad, so general, so ambiguous. How do we take those things that are broad and general and ambiguous and make them outrageously specific? Because when we can define them, when we can name them, when we can, in the context of coaching conversation, talk about them, what do we do? It's amazing how much more courageous we become. And it's amazing how much smaller these big, broad, monstrous, hairy things start to appear when we just start to realize the specifics and the particularities of what they actually are. So let's start with fear of the unknown. So with regard to fear of the unknown and that being a blocker to people acting upon and executing upon the direction that they find in coaching conversations, there's a couple things that we need to remember. At the core of fear of the unknown is a principle that we need to regularly remind people of and we regularly need to keep in the back of our heads as well. Growth and comfort never coexist. Right. And so if people are going to grow and if people are going to move forward, if people are going to move into uncharted territory, by nature, they're going to be moving into things that are uncomfortable. And one of the reasons why it's often uncomfortable, because it's uncertain and unknown. Growth comes from stepping into territory that is unmapped, right? Growth comes from stepping into areas and doing things and establishing new habits and creating new relationships and taking new actions that look unlike anything that we've ever done before. And the more uncertainty, oftentimes, the more potential growth. And so associated with that, we need to recognize that the fact that there are things that are unknown that we're coaching people into is not wrong. The fact that there are things that are unknown associated with the path that people are walking is probably evidence that they are engaging in actions that will create growth. So how do you help people scale fear of the unknown? Well, number one, you need to counter the unknown with known. There's a human need for certainty and uncertainty. So it's actually really healthy for there to be some things that are unknown, that are uncertain, that are a little bit ambiguous in our lives because that keeps us on our toes. But 
for the amount of uncertainty that we're experiencing, it's really, really helpful and healthy and wise to have a sense of dependability, consistency, and order that we can counter it with. And so one of the things that you can do as a coach to help people scale fear of the unknown is help them define what they do know. And that's a great question to ask someone is like, okay, we like, I know we're afraid of the unknown and we've defined that. And that's really crucial. Get them to define, like, I'm afraid of what I don't know because I don't know what I don't know. Well, then a great question to ask is, okay, well, let's just talk for a little bit about what do we know? And it's crazy after you ask that question and get them to talk factually about what they do know, you'll watch their shoulders start to drop. You'll watch them start to gain more confidence. You'll watch them start to breathe a little bit more or maybe breathe at all because they're moving into territory that is more certain and that's countering all of the things that they're thinking about and dwelling on that are uncertain. So number one, counter the unknown with the known. What, what do we know? Let's talk about that. Number two, know what you can know and help them know what they can know. So often, fear of the unknown is rooted in the fact that we're not doing our job of knowing what we actually can know. And so a great question that you can ask them with regard to this is, okay, well, with regard to all of the unknown, what are some things that we can know that we just don't? What is the information that is out there that is achievable for us to get if we Google it or have some more conversations or do a little bit more study and research or make some phone calls? Like there's some things oftentimes, this information that's out there that if we would just be about the business of knowing it, it doesn't have to always be unknown. And so a great question to ask them after you ask them, what do we know? Then you can ask them, what can we know? And then number three, help them see the unknown accurately we're not going to know everything. And you need to remind them of that. We can't know everything. And if we're waiting to know everything before we make a decision, then we're never going to make a decision. And so what I want you to know is when you help them see the unknown accurately, what's a great question that you can ask is, okay, well, what's the risk? What's the unknown that we just can't know? And what I want you to know is when you ask them what's the risk, what are we not doing? Well, we are not minimizing the risk because that's not helpful. Delusionally minimizing risk is not helpful, it's not healthy, and it's definitely not wise. And I will tell you, I think there's some people that actually think that that's actually uh, good coaching is to minimize the risk in people's minds. No, don't minimize the risk because then they're not going to be prepared to deal with it whenever it shows up. So we don't want to minimize the risk. We want to name the risk. So we're going to help them see the unknown more accurately by asking what's the risk. We're not going to minimize the risk. We're going to name the risk. Get them to talk about it and get them to talk about it specifically. What is the risk? But then just as much as you talk to them about the risk of taking this action, of moving forward, of moving towards there, of doing different things to get different results, just as much as you get them to name the risk associated with that, get them to name the risk of doing nothing. Because yes, there's always a risk to action. And we often think through that lens a lot. But so often, when because we think so much about the risk of action, what we don't think about and we often minimize is the risk of inaction. And there is always risk associated with inaction. So some of the principles that I want you to help them land on with regard to overcoming fear of the unknown is you will never know everything. And I, I mean, I, I can tell this to you, right? You will never know everything. And then you need to get them to realize is I can't ever know everything. 
And then another principle that's helpful to get them to recognize is everything is figure outable. I just love that phrase. It's the title of a Marie Forleo book that I think is just brilliant. Everything is figure outable. One of our coaches, Olivia, she's just famous for talking about the fact that every problem is solvable, right? And and if it's not solvable, then it's not your problem, right? It's it's just part of reality, right? But every problem is solvable. And so if we're envisioning all these future problems associated with the unknown, one of the things that we need to be reminded of is everything is figure outable. And then finally, uncertainty is part of adventure. So often we desire a life that is meaningful, a life that is adventurous, a life that uh, is grand and and creates a sense of uh, fulfillment and joy and life within us. And one of the things that we fail to recognize is that adventure never occurs in the absence of uncertainty. The thing that makes an adventure an adventure is the possibility that it could not turn out the way that you envision. And that's just part of it, right? The best adventure books on the planet, the best adventure movies on the planet are filled with unknown. And so hopefully we can guide people to the fact that the unknown isn't something to uh, just wallow in or be afraid of, but rather the unknown is part of the great adventure. And this is what we get to do. And what would we rather do? Live a life where everything is figured out? Really? Do you want that? Do you want a life where everything is certain? That doesn't sound like any fun to me. And so we need to help people remember those principles. And that's how we can help people and assist people overcome the fear of unknown so that they can move in the desired direction. And that's one of the blockers of directional coaching is fear of the unknown. The next one is fear of failure. And the principle that's associated with this that I thought of is related to a Brene Brown quote where, which by the way, Brene Brown went to the University of Texas, hook them horns, what starts here, change the world. Love that woman. Love that university. Love that state. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. Uh, it's getting late at night when I'm recording this and uh, I'm going on a little bit of a rant, but that's how you can know this isn't fully edited, right? This is a little bit raw. What's the principle? What's the Brene Brown quote? You cannot have vision without vulnerability. You can't. If you're going to talk about a future that doesn't currently exist, associated with that is going to be the possibility of failure. And so anytime you talk about something that you want to occur but doesn't yet occur, you are exposing yourself. Anytime you talk about your desires for your family, for your future, for your career, for your business, anytime you get more specific about a vision of what you actually want, you are outrageously vulnerable because you're opening yourself up to the possibility of failure. This is the difference between saying, I want to run far and I want to run a marathon. Which one is more vulnerable? I want to run a marathon. Why? Because it's specific. And the more clear you get about what winning looks like, the more clear you're getting about what failure looks like or what winning doesn't look like. But as long as we say, I want to run long, well, what does that mean, right? There's not very much results or productivity or fulfillment associated with that because we never really know that we actually achieved anything because long is so broad and ambiguous. So one of the principles we need to remember is you can't have vision without vulnerability. And so associated with that, when we think about the fear of failure as an obstacle that needs to be overcome in order to help people find direction, one of the things that would be wise to remember is that failure as an ambiguity is way scarier than failure as a reality. 
I, I think the person that taught me this was Amy Judd. Amy Judd's my mom, and I'll never forget. Uh, there were actually multiple moments in my life where this happened, but probably the one that's most visceral is I was in fourth grade, and I, I knew deep down, and I think she saw this in me, is I wanted to run for president of student council at John F. Ward Elementary, and I really wanted that, and I really desired that. But I remember sitting down with her and saying, like, oh, man, that's going to be pretty hard. It, it seems like there there's a lot of kids that are running for that. And I don't know that I should run for that. I think probably just because it's a little bit more guaranteed, I'll probably run for vice president. And so my mom, whether she would put this language to it or not, uh, I think astutely observed that I was afraid of failure. And I was saying I would rather settle for the thing that I don't actually want instead of going for the thing that I really want and not getting it. And the possibility of not getting it made me afraid. And so what's the question that she asked me? Well, she took failure as an ambiguity and made it into something that was a specific reality. And the question that she asked to do that was, Alex, let's talk about this for a second. You want to run for president, right? Yeah. Okay. What's the worst that could happen? I said, well, the worst that could happen is that I wouldn't get it. Okay, and if you don't get it, what would you do? Well, <laughs> I mean, it, most of my friends are running for it, so I'd probably just cheer for them, and I'd be a little bit sad, but I'd just keep going to school and do fifth grade. And she says, is that really that bad? And I ended up running for president. And uh, I don't say this in a braggadocious way because it's not that big of a thing to brag about, but I was president of student council in fifth grade at John F. Ward Elementary, all because she helped me identify failure specifically instead of thinking about it ambiguously and generally. And so that's what you can help people do as a coach. A lot of times people think of failure as this general thing that's off in the distance that is just terrible. And when you get, when you get them to talk about what it would actually look like, one of the things that they start to realize is, oh, that's actually not that bad, right? It's one of the things that I had to kind of come to terms with whenever I started this business and I left my full-time job at Ramsey Solutions. It's like, what's the worst that could happen? It couldn't work, okay? And if it doesn't work and no one signs up and no one's a part of this idea that you have called Path for Growth, what do you do? Well, I go get a job. Would that really be that bad? And what would be worse, that or living your life knowing that you never pursued what you actually had on your heart? And so this relates to what we talked about earlier. The risk of inaction is huge, and we've got to get people to talk about that if we're going to effectively coach them. We've got to overcome fear of the unknown. Then we've got to overcome fear of failure. And then we need to overcome fear of incorrect aim. I think that this fear is often rooted in a lie. And the lie is that there is only one correct aim, that there is only one correct vision of the future, and that there is only one correct desired future that we should be pointing towards. There's only one correct version of there. And, and what I will tell you is that that's a lie. But this is the lie that I absolutely bought into whenever I was wrestling with the decision of whether or not to leave my full-time job at Ramsey and uh, go to start this business is, I kept asking the question, okay, well, what's right? What's correct? What am I called to do? And I had this idea in my head, this paradigm in my head that it's like one of these things is right and one of these things is wrong. And if that's the case, then man, the stakes are outrageously incomprehensibly high. And so I'll never forget it. I, I went down to my friends and they've been on this podcast before, Brian and Shannon Miles. They're the co-founders of Belay and they're just 
friends of mine, people that I deeply respect, leaders that I just admire so much, and they've just been incredible mentors for me. And they were truly at the crux of helping me make this decision that has, I mean, changed my life in so many ways. And I'll never forget, this is a great example of great leadership and great coaching, is Brian sat down with me one night and he asked me some questions. And again, what do we say? Good leaders give answers to people. Great leaders extract answers from people. He was a great leader. And this, in many ways, was a coaching conversation. And so he kind of identified in me that I had this idea that like, man, there's a right choice here and there's a wrong choice. And I'm terrified of making the wrong choice. And so he asked me a series of questions. He said, Alex, do you think you could stay at your full-time job and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And I said, Yes. And he said, okay, do you think you could leave and start your own business and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, do you think you could stay where you're at at your full-time job and you could love your neighbor as yourself? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, do you think you could leave and start your own business and love your neighbor as yourself? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, Alex, I have one more question for you. And I'll never forget. He looked me in the eye. He said, what do you want to do? And then he said the words that I will never forget. He said, and this is a great example of a really powerful assertion presented at the right time. He said, you need to get it through your head that God delights when you do things that bring you pleasure that result in other people getting served. And I mean, truly, that was one of the core moments that helped me make the decision to start this business. And I truly think out of all the decisions I've ever made, it's probably one of the greatest I've made. And that moment was behind it. Because one of the things that he helped me recognize in that moment was this idea of there's one correct way. And if I don't choose the one correct way, then I'm going to live my entire life on the wrong track. He just completely obliterated that line of thinking. And basically said, man, is it moral? Is it wise? And within morality and within wisdom, we need to trust that God gave us a level of freedom and responsibility to make decisions. And I'll tell you this, I mean, from a theological standpoint, this can mess with some people. And I've gone through a little bit of a journey to get some conviction around this, but now I truly deeply believe it. And um, if you want the book on this topic that has been so helpful for me, and I would honestly say life-changing for me, it's called Decision-Making and the Will of God. And we'll put the link in the show notes, but man, I mean, that book will take you for a loop, especially depending on your background and and, uh, kind of what you learn. But I will tell you, it is an academic argument for what I just presented about decision-making, that God gave you an outrageous amount of freedom that he wants you to experience within the realm of his wisdom and his morality and his guidelines for living life properly. And within that freedom, we get to make decisions. And that's just so cool and so thrilling. And I will tell you, if you're going to help people find direction through the context of coaching, one of the things that you need to help them overcome is this idea that there's only one correct aim. Perhaps the only correct aim within the context of morality and wisdom is inaction and not doing anything. Help people overcome that fear by giving them the confidence and the strength to make decisions. Fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of incorrect aim, and then finally, fear of impossibility. There's something that I want you to recognize here. A person's effort will never sustainably exceed their belief. 
And so even if you help them define there, if they don't think that there is possible, they will never sustainably invest the effort to pursue it. And so one of your responsibilities and opportunities as leader and coach is to make sure that the people that you're working with, whether they're on your team, they're in your community, they're at your church, they're part of your family, they're one of your peers or colleagues, one of the things that you can help them do is believe that there is possible. Because if a person doesn't believe there is possible, they will not take the necessary action. And so one of the questions that I've grown fond of asking people is once they paint a vision, I have to ask them, do you think that it's possible? And there are times where people say, I don't know. And I don't know is often clue for no. And so what do you do in that situation where they don't believe that it's possible? You ask them, well, first of all, can we agree that there's some sliver, there's some slight chance that it could be possible? Right? Maybe, maybe it's not likely, but can we both agree that there's some chance that this actually could happen, that this vision that you're talking about, that what you want to pursue is actually possible? First, get them to admit that there's a chance, right? I think of that movie line. I don't even know what movie it's from, but it, so you're saying there's a chance. We want them to get to admit that there's a chance that, there, that it is possible because then you've got your foot in the door. Then once they say that it is possible, yeah, I guess it's possible, What's some questions you can ask them? What's some evidence from your past that might agree with the idea that it's possible? What's some evidence from your past? And get them to give you specific scenarios, specific things that they've done, that they've said, that they've been through that would suggest that something like this could be possible. And try to get them to give you three examples, three really specific examples of when they've done something similar that's created desired results. Because what we're doing is we're building up evidence in people's minds that what seems impossible is often possible. I mean, this is what I have to do anytime I sign up for a new race, right? There was a time where I didn't think a half marathon was possible. But what did I rely on to do a half marathon was, well, I finished a 10K. And then there was a time where I didn't believe that a marathon was possible. And so what did I have to rely on? Well, I finished a half marathon. And then there was a time that I didn't think an Ironman was possible. And so what did I have to do then? Well, I finished a marathon and I finished a half Ironman. And now I'm training for my first ever ultra marathon. And what am I leaning on? I'm leaning on the fact of, well, I didn't think a half marathon was possible and I did that. And I didn't think a, a full marathon was possible and I did that. And I didn't think an Ironman was possible and I did that. So who's to say, maybe it's actually less likely that it's not possible. You see what I'm talking about there? You, you start to pull from the evidence of what they've done in the past to prove to them without a shadow of a doubt that what they want for the future is actually possible. And so get them to talk about the evidence and don't just you give it to them. You make them define the evidence. And then what's something that you could do that would help you find out if this is possible? So what's one action you can take? Because with action comes confidence, right? And this is an important principle to remember. It's one of our most popular Worth It Wednesdays we've ever sent. And if you want to get on the Worth It Wednesday email list, it's at pathforgrowth.com. We send an email every week. But one of the ones that's the most popular one we've sent is action precedes confidence, you don't just become confident and then take action. You take action, and in the process of taking action, you become confident. 
I didn't know if this business was possible. I didn't even know if this business was right when I started it. I just did it. And in the process of doing it, I now have more conviction and more excitement and more confidence around the fact that it's possible and right than I ever did before I started. But I had to take action. And man, I wish someone would have come in and assertively told me this at the beginning because it took way too long to actually take action. And so one of the things that we constantly need to remind people of is how did you become confident in the things that you're currently confident in? Did you become confident in thinking about it or did you become confident in starting to take steps and challenge them and work with them and push them to take steps and get them to define what those steps are? What's one step you could take in that direction that would help you define if it's possible? And then what would you have to do for it to be more possible? Okay, well, what are some things that you could do for it to be more possible, right? What, what are some things that you could intentionally do that would make it more possible than it seems today? Again, we're trying to elicit out of them the fact that impossibility is a lie because if they believe that if there's any shred of idea that it's not possible, well, what do we say? A person's effort will never sustainably exceed their belief. Okay, this has been a long episode, so we need to wrap up. But what did we say? We said that directional coaching exists on multiple planes, the conversational plane, the situational plane, and the existential plane. And one of the things that we talked about is that you earn the ability to move to the higher order planes by excelling and being competent and prepared in the lower order planes. And within that, one of the things that we always need to remember is that your ability to see direction and see the path for people is nice, but irrelevant. Our goal is not for you to give them direction. Our goal is to get them to define their direction. So how do we do that? Well, here to there, define here, define there, and then chart the path. And what are the blockers for us actually having the direction that we all know we want to need. Fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of incorrect aim, and fear of impossibility. Y'all, I hope that this was helpful. I know that this was a lot, but one of the things that I would tell you is that I'm so passionate about this because I've seen how people's life can go from aimless, mediocre depression to life-giving, joyful fulfillment by simply creating a sense of direction that is supported by a purpose that they deeply believe in. That's why I think that this topic is worth going a little bit long on because I have truly, literally seen the evidence in every arena, people's marriages, people's families, people's personal growth, people's business, people's career of how if you can help them do this as a coach, you can help them change their life. Remember, you're not changing their life. They are changing their life. And you get to be in a front row seat of watching that and participating in the occurrence of that coming to be. Hey, one more thing before we go. Uh, Every Wednesday, we send an email called Worth It Wednesday. We talked about it earlier in this episode. I think the most email isn't worth it. So we try to send one a week that is. And we send a principle worth learning, question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. Uh, We're just so appreciative of the fact that so many of you are part of that. And the open rates on that are the thing that probably makes me most excited about that email. Y'all are actually reading it, and then you're actually doing it, which is just so cool. And we're just so grateful for that. Also, so many of you have shared that email list and gotten your friends and community and teams to sign up. And that just is something that I will never stop being grateful for. So thank you. If you want to sign up for that email, you can do so at pathforgrowth.com or at the link that's in the show notes. Y'all remember, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.